HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you sun in the air. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. I'm Souther Teague. And Greg Benson is in Ireland right now. I know, man. Aaron Gobra. <laughs> uh, I don't know. He's a traveling man. He did a lot of traveling over the holidays, and he's still out there in the world. I mean, is he in Ireland? Because with our text thread, he said Dublin, and I was hoping he meant like Dublin, Texas, the home of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> but I just, you never know reason, with that guy, to be honest. Yeah, he might be at a wedding. He's always <laughs> he's at a either, wedding. He's either drinking a Dr. Pepper or a Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> There's, you know, I've heard it both ways. Um, the... Uh, the new year is upon us. We uh, we took our studio break over the holiday season. How were your holidays, Southern? Well, I've tr- I've created a new tradition, Damon. Uh, my second year in a row celebrating uh, Christmas, anyway, by um, staying in bed with COVID. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So last year didn't get to travel for the Christmas plans we had, and this year uh, interrupted. This is crazy. Natalie and I ten year anniversary. Oh wow! Congratulations. Oh uh, yeah, we met on December twenty second, twenty. 12. Incredible. Wow. When the world was supposed to end. How <laughs> fitting that you had COVID 10 years later. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's great. Um, good, good, good for you guys. Uh, please yeah. send my, uh, my love to her. And uh, yeah, so, but you know, it's been what, almost a month since we last had a show. How many bars have you opened since then? Well, I got to tell you, man, uh, I, we were about to, we were remodeling one. So we're taking Fragile Flower to a, a different place. That was our dessert and wine bar. We're remodeling it into more of a sweet shop, you know, kind of come in, grab some cakes and cookies and whatnot and go. Cool. Um, we are we are opening a new one. It's called Mushrooms and Beer. It's going to be all mushroom <laughs> menu and beer. I'm not kidding. Dude, yeah. that's like that's like half of my tattoos <laughs> in my, all of my life. Yeah, <laughs> Mushrooms and Beer is going to be pretty cool. 
Uh, we're going to run it as a pop-up. We have this little incubator space, 14 seats. It's, it's a counter. And we think that we can do things in there as like incubator projects. And if this kicks off, then we find a larger space for it. If not, cool. at the very least, we can glean all of the dishes that I create for I'm creating all the dishes for this one. We can glean all the dishes nice. and spread those dishes out to our other properties. So either way, it's a win. But I want to talk a little bit about losses too. You know, um, wrapping up the year, you always kind of look forward and look backwards. Um, and we opened up mm-hmm. a, a, a garden. LA in Los Angeles uh, on Melrose, uh, and it it spiraled out of control and it tanked. We had to we had to pull the plug even before New Year's. Oh man, um, yeah, we kind of went in there with a bunch of hubris. Uh, it's our it's one of our leading properties, Avant Garden here in New York. It's our oldest restaurant. It's eight and a half years old, and we just thought it was going to be an automatic home run. And we I don't think we leaned in hard enough. So it's kind of a Hard lesson learned as a business person, but it's uh, we're going to take it as a lesson. You know, we're not going to. You know, Mandela famously said, uh, "I never lose. I win or I learn." So we're going to try and learn from this. We are going to do something else with the property out there. I don't want to talk about that too much yet, but uh, it's going to be pretty cool. But yeah, we um, we learned some hard lessons out there, and I think that it's important to mention that stuff. You know, you can't always put the shine on everything and, and kind of fool people into thinking that your life is perfect. It suddenly. Uh, skews the balance and makes people feel bad about themselves. Well, so I'm also, I mean, to... yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, you open a new bar like every two weeks, so it's like, yeah, there's I mean, going to be some, gonna be gonna some, be some loss sometimes. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah, and I just, you know, I, I think it's important to to mention that stuff. You know, it's not a, it's not all home runs. It's, that's impossible to upkeep. Um, so sometimes you you whiff, and I think we we just went at it with too much, I guess hubris is the right word. We just, we thought it was going to be so easy uh, and it was not. And it was our first property outside of the East village. We should have known from that alone that it was going to be difficult. Um, but, uh, but we still have the property for the next, uh, well, you know, we signed a 10 year lease. We have to get at least past two and a half years before we can even negotiate breaking that. So because we still have the property, we are planning to do something in there, but we had to, we had to dismantle it. Um, and it hurts. Um, but, uh, life goes on. Hey, uh, new year, life, new projects. Well, new year, new life in your life. What's, what's going on over there? I got a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a dog in many, many years, but uh, yeah, well, you Jamie. in New York in an apartment. Now you got a, your own little private ranch situation going on. Yeah, I got room for a dog, uh, and it's a big dog. We uh, we adopted uh, last weekend. There was uh, a big push at the Oakland Animal shelter um they said we've got to get 50 dogs into families into homes or they're all going to unfortunately be euthanized and we're like no fuck that so we uh we met this really great dog it's a husky mix um his name is bon jovi at the shelter which i just sorry for any bon jovi fans out there i just can't i can't let that fly so uh we're trying to like acclimate it to uh something close by so we're, we're calling him joey uh but he's a he's a big old puppy and he's he's great uh doesn't bark doesn't jump uh knows some some tricks and commands already it's like it's awesome i I haven't yet uh you know fed it fed him beer uh or mushrooms uh certainly that'll come yeah we're still in week one Joey, um, yeah, that's 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 good that's close enough to bon jovi exactly the sound this you know I don't know if you know this, David, but they don't understand uh, the human languages. Uh, but the sounds, they get the sounds. sounds. Yeah. So I guess that's pretty close. Joey, Bon Jovi, yeah. that's close. Yeah. Well, that's it, great, it man. Be, yeah, he seems to be responding to it. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I've got a new drinking buddy. Um, so uh, we're going to we're gonna create a lot of uh, 
experiences and uh, stories together. Speaking of stories, I mean, we should get into the yeah, show sure. today. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like this show, you know, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, this is our 497th episode of this. 497, BGC. yes. 497, it's crazy. We're coming up on 500 quickly, and that'll happen this month. Or sorry, no, I guess it'll happen next month. But um, God, this month's already like over halfway over. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, holiday holiday breaks holiday breaks throw things into chaos. Yeah, seriously. But I mean, the the cool thing about the show is we've met, you know, I I wouldn't say five hundred people. We've met probably three times that with uh -huh. this show. Oh, for sure. And a lot of stories have been told, and we're going to hear about some of those today with our guest David Main, up in Oregon, our coastal neighbor to the north. Uh, welcome to the show, David. Hey, thank you for having me. Absolutely thrilled to be here. Yeah, we're super excited. Yeah, David, super excited to have you on. You and I have been friends for a little bit of time now, and you've been working on a project all this time uh, yeah. about exactly what Dave was talking about, storytelling. You are the creator of Happy Hour History, um, and we want to talk a lot about that today. So let's jump Let's jump right in. Talk about Happy Hour History. What's, uh, it's infotainment is what I call it. Infotainment. Uh, edutainment. Infotainment. Edutainment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's both. So <laughs> it's Look, everything you, can you could ever and entertain want. at the same time. You, that's the magic <laughs> recipe right there. <laughs> Anything you could ever want in a piece of content, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, it's 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 a it's a streaming series where we just just weeks ago got up on Amazon, uh, Amazon, Amazon Prime, and uh, so now now finally after many many years of development, uh, of which uh, Souther has been. A rock and and a great support and a connector and will be in the second season. Um, yeah, yeah. We we tried to well. <laughs> yeah, we were gonna we were gonna get you in the first season and then that weird thing that like transformed the globe for the last two years came up and well so, a thing that will eventually be an episode of Happy Hour History, I assume. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, it's an interesting parallel because it was like you know a hundred years ago was the the other big one mm -hmm. that you know ripped through the world and. Um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating story, and the reason it got the name the Spanish flu was that it was the Spaniards who actually like wrote about it in the media. Everyone else was trying to hush it up because uh, they didn't want it to affect the morale of the the soldiers in the in the home front during World War One. So it was like this, yeah, yeah, don't talk about that. Uh, and the Spanish were like, wait a minute, there's this thing happening here. And uh, and so then because yeah. of that, because they actually did the right thing, they got they got blamed for it. <laughs> I mean, that's hilarious. Yeah, you got your little scuffle going on, but you realize though the world is being scourged right now, and because because we're going to bring it up, we're going to get the blame. <laughs> the squeaky wheel um, gets the flu. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. So yeah, Happy Hour History. It's a it's a five part uh, documentary series about cocktails and history, uh, and how uh, alcohol has. Uh, played a major factor in um, in lots of really epic human events. So um, each episode starts out with a cocktail, which we then trace back to when it was first invented and then describe what was going on in the world at that time and how the events of that time impacted the world that we live in today. I mean, it literally builds, you know, the, the history, the past builds the future, the present that we live in now. So, um, but we do that in a very fun way. We use a lot of Monty Python style animations and, and <laughs> costume changes. Um, and, you know, we just, we make it fun. So it's sort of, uh, uh, we're not drunk history. We're sort of like drunk history's nerdy cousin. We actually, it's it's all fact-based. <laughs> fact I used to work for PBS 
Uh, I worked on a show called The History Detective. So um, I have university professors that like vet the scripts. They they make sure that, you know, <laughs> that I'm not making shit up as I go along. Uh, and they also watch the, the final shows to make sure that, you know, everything is like, no, that's really, that really happened. Um, so this so, is the origin story of the show. You're, you're, you yourself are a history buff or history nerd, whatever you want to call yourself. Yeah, and you're an avid enthusiast of cocktails, right? Yeah, it, it's I, I started out as the history nerd uh, with an interest in cocktails. And now I've like, you know, I've gone down that rabbit hole. You, know, you and Dave Wondrich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and pretty much the rest of us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I, mean, I didn't, I didn't know anything about Amaro's till I met you, and now, um, you know, my life has been changed. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure there's plenty of episodes to mine from the Amaro world because those guys, you know, traveled the world to gather the spices. So surely there's some history laden throughout that as well. Yeah, let's let's get into that. So, oh, I was gonna. So the the, the most interesting thing about the show, uh, I think, for a lot of people, is we do this little these short little bite sized history lessons. They're very fun, um, and then at the end of the history lesson. A, a bartender shows you how to make the drink. And then they get to riff on the history of the drink and history of spirits and history of bartending. So that section of the show is kind of like a, it's a, it's a little bit like a podcast where it's just myself and the bartender just sort of, you know, sitting at the bar where they're making the drink sort of riffing on stuff. Well, sure. Uh, some of the, some of your um, uh, players have been guests on our show, uh, Laura Newman, notably, and uh, Jill Coxon have both been on our show and, and they've uh, made appearances in Happy Hour History as well, right? Yes, yes. And uh, Nathan Gertis, um, as well as uh, Ricky Gomez. Oh, yeah, Gomez. Uh, from Palomar here. And um, and also Cameron George, um, who's now with Ardbeck. Yeah, right on. You know, to me, like, this is, this is the reason why I started this show 500 episodes ago, because it's <laughs> all about the story and the storytelling, honestly. Like, the, the, I didn't... Like you can you can grab a bottle from a liquor store and go home and drink it for a lot less than you know going to a bar and hanging out. But it's about the experience. It's about the storytelling and the sharing, right? So, you know, to me, it's what makes alcohol in cocktails a billion times more fascinating is the history. This is what I do for a living. I mean, like I te yeah. I teach classes on cocktail and spirits history, and. It's just so fascinating because like you keep learning more and more as you dig and over the years, something will become unearthed. You know, what was it like five years ago? Uh, speaking of Dave Wondrich, um, he found a, an earlier article about the the, the cocktail, right? We oh, were always okay. saying 1806, yeah. right? And an earlier article that said I've 1795. I've quoted that many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, it, it, the crazy thing about cocktail history is that we're not down to the very kernel, like the nucleus, uh, the definitive moment of when these things started. For instance, like the mint julep, it started as a brandy cocktail. I mean, we can date it back to about 1770. We think about the mint julep now, and you know, it became a bourbon drink really with the Kentucky Derby that started in 1874. So for a hundred years before the Kentucky Derby made the mint julep a bourbon cocktail, it was a brandy cocktail. But also think about this, bourbon wasn't invented accidentally until 1789. So that's about 20 years before bourbon even existed, the mint julep was invented that we know of. But right. this isn't the last we're going to hear about the origin of the mint julep. Right. Every year or decade or however long it takes, we're gonna draw it back because one of the craziest things to me about cocktail and spirit history, just booze history in general, is that 
I guess it pertains more to cocktails. There's no patent office for, you know, <laughs> like drinks recipes. And you think about 1770, the mint julep predates the United States by six years, basically. So, right. you know, there's, it's a hard tracking system of, you know, the origin story of a lot of these things. And especially the fact that, like I said, there's no patent office. So it's really whenever it was published, you know, yeah. and we'll find earlier books and magazines and newspaper articles that kind of like give us new light into earlier references to these things. And that's only when it becomes newsworthy, right? So it could have been around for many, many years before that. And someone decided, well, I guess someone should write about this mint julep thing that everyone's drinking because no one's done it yet. And it's been around for 20 years or how, you know, however long it's been. So it's just crazy when you get into it. And then the stories that come along with it, you know, after just kind of like tracking down the origin are fascinating. I 100% agree with you. And I, uh, two things, I think, first of all, we're just, we're just at the top layer. We're on the top soil of totally. discovering a lot of this stuff. And, and just the word history is, is by default a uh, bias toward writing things down, right? So it's yeah. like, um, you know, it, people say history was is written by the victors. I think it's written by people who like had in, had pen and paper nearby and weren't too wasted to actually write it down. Right. <laughs> That's the key. That's the key, right? I think that a lot of it gets lost because we were drinking and having a great time. We weren't writing things down. We were drinking a lot probably and having too great a time and maybe not even remembering everything correctly the next day to, if we even wanted to write it down, right? Right. Well, and as you were saying with, you know, the, the history of Amaro's and people traveling around and doing all this, it's like we're, like, there's, there's all kinds of culture and history, although not written, maybe, that is oral tradition. Many cultures, uh, you could even say most cultures till recently, were based on oral history. So what are we missing? There's so many diverse um, cultures and traditions that, you know, and, you know, by default, this is kind of, we're, we're taking this in from a Western sort of uh, European perspective, but there's all kinds of other stuff out there that I'm, I'm really excited about. There's, there's a guy out of the University of Pennsylvania, or it's Penn maybe, uh, and, I'll, and don't ask me his name because I can't pull it off the top of my head, but he does like archaeology, you know, drinks archaeology essentially, and they're, they're finding stuff going back in terms of finding like residue, molecular residue in, in certain containers, um, that go back like 9,000 years and they're, they're cocktails. They're not uh, distilled spirits cocktails, but they're mixtures of various uh, fermented things as well as herbs and you know, fruits. And so this tradition is, is endemic, I think, to humans, uh, as well as what you were saying, Damon, of storytelling, I think is the other thing that separates us from every other species on the planet that makes us unique. And it actually determines sort of who who we are and what culture is and what we decide to do with ourselves. Yeah. You know, I've often thought about this, too. Speaking of those 9,000-year-old pots, you know, piece, broken pieces of pottery that have residue of, like, fermented grape and, and herbs and I've often wondered, you know, that's a, that's a very long time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I wonder, you know, how much of this like strange brew actually, like how, if humans have actually evolved to accept some of these tinctures and medicinal kind of cocktails, as you put it, to where we actually like, oh, well, this is good for, uh, you know, uh, 
I don't know, uh, yes. cholera or whatever, yes. you know, <laughs> like, have we, have we evolved to match up with the, the crazy archaic claims, like medicinal claims of these things? I, you know, it's, it's a weird path to go down, but it's pretty crazy when you think about that too, you know, and just the reason why we were mixing these things in the beginning and all throughout all those 9,000 years or plus. Well, that was the first use of distilled spirits was, I mean, they call it the water of life. Um, mm -hmm. you know, and it cured everything. It's yeah. fantastic. But but they were also using it. They either to cured preserve... it or it made you not care about it. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um have a nice journey to the next realm. Yeah. <laughs> Drink some of this. Um, but they were also the monks and nuns were preserving their herbs, right? That were only maybe available in certain seasons or whatever, in the in distilled spirits in alcohol so that it was you know so they were making these tinctures and other things so it it that's the the medicine part is is sort of you know co-evolving with the um with the tradition of you know drinking alcohol recreationally yeah i mean you know you've been talking you know with Souther about the different amaro uh amari and liqueurs and you know it's it's great yeah when you go to like chartreuse when you, you're way up in the french alps and you're like my walking favorite. around the monastery and like you smell all these herbs it, it, you're just like oh my god it smells like chartreuse at the top of this mountain so far away from Ooh. any other humans you know and like they they're up here they don't talk they just make this this elixir of prolonged life you know it's 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 there's something really special and kind of like magical about that and I mean, it, but literally, I mean, to them back in the day, it was magic uh, for a lot of cultures. And I, I like the idea of the preservation. I mean, like really when we think about, you know, spirits, we think about even cheese and charcuterie and, you know, I, different types of, it's all about preservation just in the same way that these stories are and this history is. So yeah. it's, it makes sense to be preserving the story of these preserved, you know, magical ingredients. <laughs> right. Well, and preserving food or beverage allows civilization to, to, to flourish, right? Because then there's mm -hmm. less time you have to spend out in the wild, out in the field, gathering, gathering food, which you, you, know, you need multiple times a day to stay alive. So if you can preserve it, then you have time to sit around and shoot the shit, you know, and come up with yeah. ideas and come up with different things and develop that. And then that's how trade you know, developed. And that's, you know, as we have now moved to a global culture. Wait, that's how capitalism came about? <laughs> I mean, and well, it's one of the things, yeah. Alcohol created capitalism. Oh, no. <laughs> the first tax was on alcohol, you know, like it's. Yeah. That's how we know scotch was, you know, that's, that's why the Scots get credit is because it was a tax record from yeah. 1490 yeah. something <laughs> but i mean like but as you said that really it helps humans flourish but also it it connected humans in in ways that right are more than just sharing a drink at a bar it's you know it's like that trade the trade routes and kind of understanding more of the world and kind of uh you know as as souther said you know the the people who were making these amari were traveling all over the world yeah, they were traveling, but they were also trading all over the world. So exactly. there's, there's a, you know, it, it brought the world together. Well, when, when we think about like cocktails and, yeah. you know, in the, well, the earliest cocktails, like, you know, punches, but, you know, this started around 1600, but you go like just a little bit before that, we didn't have citrus in the United States. 
so yeah. much. I mean, it was still, right. you know, uh, in India, in, in Africa, and, you know, other parts of Europe, but we didn't really have it here. And so that's a pretty short history of something that we take for granted most days. Yep. Yeah. Well, trading also, you know, along with storytelling, seems endemic to our species, right? And um, but I think the other thing that you mentioned, Damon, that I think is is really important. You talked about going into a bar for the stories, but it's also it's also the community, right? It's it's mm -hmm. and that's uh, just reading like a scientific sort of study of like what it does to your brain when you drink that allows people to uh, it it lowers your inhibitions and it opens you up in ways that then allow you to be more communal and more connected to each other, which I think is the most fabulous part of it at all. Right. It's like, it makes us more convivial to each other. It makes us more open to each other. And, and that's a good thing. And that's what I love about the hospitality industry. It's, it's, yeah. I wish, I wish people in the hospitality industry ruled the world because then <laughs> it'd, be a, it'd be a nicer place. We'd have a lot more fun. Yeah, that's true. On that note, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors and we'll get back to talking with David about happy hour history. I, I, this is my favorite subject when it comes to drinks anything really it's like yeah. my favorite just talking about this so we'll uh we'll be back in just a few minutes this episode is brought to you by wisconsin cheese there's a reason when you think of wisconsin you think cheese cheese is a huge part of wisconsin's history and future in wisconsin the state of cheese the tradition of cheese making excellence began 180 years ago before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheese-making traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheese-making culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheese making craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. How is this cocktail that symbolizes everything that was wrong with prohibition connected to women like these who gained the right to vote, became liberated, took control of their bodies, and used their power to expose the hypocrisy of guys like these, which led to a new deal that finally ended this raw deal. Find out more on the next episode of Happy Hour History. Hey, we're back, and you just heard a clip from Happy Hour History with David talking about the Scott Vlog. You know, the, the Scott Vlog cocktail is one that, I gotta be honest with you, I don't know a whole lot about. Yeah. For, for the, the vast canon of classic cocktails, you know, it's one that I feel like I don't get enough orders of when, I, when I'm behind a bar. So I feel like it's one that I always have to go back and look up, make sure I'm not fucking it up. So tell us a little bit more about the Scofflaw cocktail. Well, this is a great one because it, it's uh, it's a smart ass cocktail. Uh, it's, <laughs> it was invented by a bartender, uh, in such a way to sort of basically, uh, you know, give the middle finger to the, uh, the prevailing culture of, of prohibition. So, um, 
somewhere in the mid twenties, I guess. Wait, so they, uh, you're implying that bartenders are slightly counterculture? Um, <laughs> isn't that self-evident? I, I seems to me. Yeah. Um, so somewhere in the mid twenties, this uh, conservative newspaper uh, magnate, who was uh, magnate, who was uh, very pro prohibition, um, was asking his readers to come up with a word to describe what was going on in the world at this time, because prohibition was happening. And, um, you know, the country was really divided, kind of exactly like it is today, with the rural parts of the country being very for prohibition, uh, at least on the surface. You know, there's tons of moonshine going on out there. Um, and then, but in the big cities, people were like, no way, we're not doing that. And so speakeasy culture, speakeasy, um, had developed and men and women were drinking at bars together for the first time, which was, you know, the major innovation. And I think the best thing that came out of Prohibition. Um, and because all that was happening and women were now sort of coming into their own, they had uh, entered the workforce in huge numbers. Um, and also, as well, uh, African-Americans were entering into the workforce in huge numbers, too. So there was like a side, <laughs> you know, a whole separate culture of uh, black Americans who were, you know, doing their own speakeasy. They unfortunately having to be segregated from the mm. rest of the country because of um, institutional racism. But um, so there were all these people partying, drinking, doing all that. And so this this newspaper guy was like, well, I need someone, he had a contest, come up with a word to describe these people who are, you know, breaking the law and not obeying the prohibition laws uh, and crime and all this. And so the winning word that came out of the contest was scoff law, scoffing at the law. And so... Um, Portmanteau. A, <laughs> so a wily bartender created a cocktail called the scoff law. And that's the origin story. That's... <laughs> It's pretty rad. Um, but what I'm gleaning from what you just said uh, is two, two, kind of two things. One, I want to ask a question. You said um, one of the great things that come out of Prohibition was that men and women were drinking together. Why and how is that? They weren't drinking together prior to Prohibition and then suddenly started drinking together when they weren't supposed to be drinking at all. Uh, and then I have a follow-up question, if you can answer that. Well, um, you know, it was, it was very prior to that time. There was a women didn't have a lot of rights. Uh, they didn't have the right to vote. They they didn't really have legal rights in many states. So, um, and the reason that the, I actually have, I have a two-part episode. Um, so the, the scuffle is the sort of second part of my two-part episode about prohibition. In the first part, um, the, it, we talk about how the early women's rights movement brought about prohibition because they had no rights. And, and the way that drinking culture was happening at that time. It was all saloon based. It was all male only. And it was mm -hmm. very, cult it was culturally unacceptable for women to go and drink at a bar or a saloon. So it was, you know, it, the only women that were in saloons were women of ill repute, which sure. again, that's another judgment, but um, not by me, by the way. Um, <laughs> so I think, you know, when, the same thing that happened at the time that prohibition came about was women got the right to vote very shortly thereafter. And so 
you know, when men prior to that, men were going to bars, they were coming home, they were coming home drunk, they were, you know, abusing the women and the ch women and children. Um, they, you know, they were spending all the money and there was no recourse. Women didn't have any rights. So um, the women's rights movement developed. Like their property, basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so unfortunately. Um, so the women's rights movement felt that prohibition was the only way that they could get a handle on uh, stemming uh, the violence and the behavior. And so, you know, they jumped, you know, there was a lot of strange Ben fellows. They jumped in with the uh, uh, Christian conservatives as well as industrialists who wanted to, incre you know, increase their workers' productivity. Um, and everyone kind of came together and created prohibition. And then, you know, after a few years, it was fairly obvious that, that the actual intention of the law was, you know, what they were trying to get out of it was not working at all. And it created a whole criminal subculture. It made everybody criminals, um, with the exception of you could, people who were really well-to-do could stockpile their, it wasn't illegal to drink alcohol, it was illegal to buy it. So if you were, you know, wealthy enough and could stock up, and a lot of people did that, you know, yeah. they kept, you know, 10 years worth of, of booze, you know, or they made, you know, sweetheart deals. So, um, so that's how I think that, you know, once it became illegal and, and everything was kind of off the table, that's when, uh, and women now had, you know, uh, economic rights, they had their own incomes, they were developing their own culture and style. That's when sort of the speakeasy culture was like, hey, anybody, come on in. Right. Well, that's in, I mean, they call it the noble experiment, the great experiment. It'd be like this, you know, it ended up being kind of <laughs> a great experiment because yeah. it, it actually, you know, the funny thing was just Phil Anderson. He was like a, a politician in Baltimore. He was kind of like helping out with the temperance movement. And he was the one who had the idea to like go upstate in New York because there were a lot more people upstate New York who were like kind of Christians and, you know, country folk that uh, they still had the right to vote uh, and they could outvote Manhattan on mm -hmm. the, on, you know, the prohibition. Uh, and so it was kind of a sneaky thing. And then it, like you said, it made everyone criminal, like literally everyone criminals because yeah. they're all buying booze. Overnight. Was, you know, yeah. Overnight. Everyone was, could be incarcerated. And so like, but you know, to me, there's that kind of fanciful, like, kind of romanticized idea of like the speakeasy, you know, we're, we're all, we're all victims of, uh, or we're all not victims. We're all guilty of, uh, romanticizing the old speakeasy, even though it's a hundred years later. Um, but it's also they were terrible. <laughs> a lot of people yeah, got poisoned. A lot of people died. Like I just, a I lot of say, people died. Like, <laughs> but they don't really talk about that many, too much. Many at, the, many at the hands of the government itself. Yes. Uh, right. When they, when they tainted alcohol, uh, just cause you tainted it doesn't mean it's going to stop me from trying it. Right. Well, and the, and the people that were uh, the anti-saloon league, they were all for that. Uh, Wayne Wheeler was the was the the main guy. He was kind of like the Carl Rove or whoever the you know of his <laughs> sure. day. Um, I'm not ever. Some people may not get that reference, but he was he was a political genius, and he knew how to do. He did wedge wedge issue politics, and he was the main force behind prohibition. Um, so yeah, they he realized that he could recruit enough uh, conservatives, uh, and a lot of it were Christian conservatives from rural areas, and outvote the rest of us. And uh, 
the rest of us, I wasn't there. <laughs> the the yeah. city folk. Um, in, sp in spirit, yeah, you are. That, exactly. uh, I get it. Uh, in spirit. Uh, spirit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Lots of puns on this show. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so then during, so, you know, following up the Scapula thing, women got the right to vote, and then it became obvious this thing really just wasn't working. I mean, maybe a noble idea, but the, the main thing that was wrong with it in my mind was that it was the first constitutional amendment that took away rights. Like, right. it took away your rights. Um, what, you mean like Roe v. Wade yeah. last year? Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing about history is it repeats itself. Well, you know, right. actually, there's a riff in the show about that. So that's that's one of the things I, uh, that's one of my um, sort of catchphrases of the show is like, you know, it's like some kind of problem like that gets solved. And I, I, get, I look and I go, well, thank God we don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, and, and, right. and, then, and then I show like a shot of the Supreme court. It's like, yeah. 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 Quick cutaways. You know, yeah. the show, the show is super entertaining and fun to watch. And, and, and yeah, I, I love that you do from time to time nod to the notion that though the show is about history, the show is itself and, and everyday life is, you know, is soon to be history. Right. So you have to kind of be uh, cognizant of the fact that the moment that we're in will 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 be history soon. Well, and I think it's important that we it it gives us power. Right. It gives us power to realize that we can, you know, move the move the boat, you know, in, in the right direction um, if we so choose. And hopefully we choose to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, even like in more recent history, you know, there's. Someday we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, well, I mean, you know, Robert Simonson's book, Modern Classic Cocktails, uh, you know, he said this, it's a period of like 2000 to 2013 or something like that. And he's like, that, that is an era that is newsworthy. And mm -hmm. we're going to look back on that era, especially in New York City. But then also we're going to look back on 2022, the year that the first like real drink show, TV show came out, you know, Drink Masters. That's going to be, uh, you know, history. I've gone back and watched original Iron Chef episodes from the first season. You know, mm -hmm. like they, it's gonna, there's going to be a reference to that always. And so, you know, we're always living in history. Well, and also 2022 is the first real documentary about cocktails in history came out. It's happy hour history. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> documentary that was like nice, slow pitch. Okay, yeah. hitting that one. Documentary. I mean, that, but that's it's absolutely right. And I like what you said at the top of the show. It's it's not drunk history. It's history of drinks. <laughs> it's like because drunk history is just people getting drunk and like talking Making about history. Shit up, is which like, is really fine and fun. But not drunk history. It's drink history. Yeah. yeah. Well, but also, I uh, very much enjoy how the show stitches the two things together: the history and origin story of a particular cocktail and what was going on in, in world history around it at that time and how those two things may be linked or how we may perceive them to be linked. Well, and that's how I got into this. Like I had pitched a whole bunch of like, you know, I'm a documentary, I'm a filmmaker from back to college era um, and did have done, worked as in advertising as a director and creative director, but also uh, done documentaries for PBS and, and pitch some really big shows to PBS. Um, and that's where I realized I, I kind of went wrong is um, because I pitched these ideas and they were, you know, they were ideas they were interested in, but it was like, then it was like, all right, go out and if you can raise a million dollars, I was like, I, I, I'm not a financier, I'm a filmmaker. <laughs> um, so that's, 
you know, the way this came about was I was kind of between projects and I was like, what can I do with a group of friends on a weekend to create a show or a little something? And and then I came across, you know, a book or two about cock, uh, alcohol and history. And I was like, I was blown away. I was like, oh, my God, all these major events are somehow connected to alcohol in some way. Um, and immediately it was like 12 stories popped into my head. So, um, yeah, then we created a pilot episode, um, did that. Uh, and then life sort of took over for a bit. And then then we decided, OK, let's try to make this into a thing. I got PBS interested. Um, if I were like, if you do four or more episodes, we're interested. So then I did an Indiegogo campaign, raised some money from that and went and got some also some sponsorship. And we put together uh, four more shows. So that's and then we were all ready to go in early 2020. We were going to sort of do a, <laughs> a road trip and go to different cities and screen it and and sort of build build an audience. And then then history happened. History happened right before our eyes yeah. all around yeah. us. The pandemic struck and it thwarted your plans to travel around and shop the show. But now it's on Amazon Prime streaming service. Yeah. And everybody listening should go check out episodes and then to help the show, rate it, right? That that really helps. Please review the show. Yes. Thank you. Or review, whatever you call it. Yeah, rate, um, review. It's the same thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh so that we'll get the show will get some traction and 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 put David uh to the task of making more episodes because it's very fun and informative. And if you listen to this show, you, you're automatically a fan of, of, uh, of happy hour history because um, the, the subject matter is so fascinating to the types of things that we talk about all the time. So, yeah. And it's easy to find it's on all platforms. It's at uh, happy hour history. You can't, you can't miss it actually. Yeah. Um, but one happy hour history thing that I would like to request since we're in it right now, sure. and I know Southern and I both have opinions on this I have no opinions phenomenon. about anything, Damon. I'm known as, <laughs> I'm known as the, 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 the most neutral person. <laughs> That's right. I'm the, Switzerland of, Tell me about I'm the vodka. Switzerland of people, yeah. I want to know about vodka. Tell me about vodka. <laughs> well, what we could we could talk about, we'll have to have you back on to talk about the Moscow Mule history. Uh, <laughs> but um, one that I would like to, to know more about is the origin of dry January. <laughs> oh, no. Because... Actually, That's from what so I understand, funny. it used to be done in February because it was the shortest month. Um, but it was called like there, there was. We'll have to dig into it, but I think they were called like it was like there people were called wagon wheelers or something like that. I, I, I'm getting that wrong, but uh, yeah, apparently the dry January didn't originally uh, it wasn't observed in January. It was a, more of a February thing. But we can we'll do some research outside of the show, and maybe we can get together and do an episode on Happy Hour History of. That, of dry January. And <laughs> in Southern, I know you uh, you have your opinions. And if you'd I like do. to start off the year by letting everyone know your stance on dry January and your theory behind a better way of doing it, please. I, I'll give it yours. to you in the broken down version, which is, you know, I think it's bad for you to deny yourself something for a period of time like that instead like of provision. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, instead of extending it, right? It, you can take 31 days in January, or you could just say, I don't drink on Tuesdays all year long. That's 52 days. Uh, and then if something comes up to make you have to miss a Tuesday, you can just say, well, then I won't drink tomorrow on Wednesday instead of feeling guilty that you didn't make your 31 day run in a row because someone, you know, announced that they were getting married or, you know, you had to go to a party for someone's promotion at a job and you feel obligated to have a drink and toast them. Um, or you get a puppy and you got to celebrate. <laughs> and Joey. Well, and, you know, the, the thing just to kind of piggy, piggyback on that a little bit is that 
you know, you're, you're right that there's always going to be uh, an occasion that pops up out of nowhere. This is why everyone, and I say this a lot, it's been a while though, uh, but since we just had uh, New Year's Eve, you should always have a bottle of champagne in your refrigerator always. at all times, just because you never know when you're going to need to pop one or right. take one to someone's place for a celebration. But in the same way with dry January, it's, it's something that we talked about on the last episode before we went on break. New Year's resolutions are always broken. That's right. Look back on the year with reverie and enjoyment of the great things that happened, you know? Okay. So, yeah, but if you're doing dry January, kudos to you. I'm just saying, don't feel bad if you fall off. And, I mean, I, I just want to throw in my third real gripe about dry January, which is <laughs> if you listen to this kind of show and you uh, and you hang out and do dry January, you're doing a disservice to all the bars you love. Like, it's really kind of weirdly crippling to business. It is, actually. You know, we all feel it. We all have to, like, cut staff, pull back on hours, change our ordering habits, which limits our ability to get uh, discounts on, you know, in, uh, on invoices. Like it's, Screws up our Pappy Van Winkle allocations. Man, oh, man. <laughs> man, oh, man. This, it just anyway, seems to fit in with the whole American puritanical sort of zeitgeist that we have as part of our culture, right? It's like, it becomes this, well, yeah, and it's, it's super judgy. It's like a mar it's marketed now. It's a marketed thing and it's super yep. judgy and it's super yep. puritanical. And it's like, yep. here's what I think though, this is my opinion on it is like, <laughs> I have friends are like, what's this? I have a friend that said, David is, what is this dry January thing? Is that really a thing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I always you know, he he enjoys he enjoys his beverages, his adult beverages. I think the idea of of fasting anything, social media, alcohol, weed, you know, whatever food, like the the very fact that you could like do some self discipline and say for this many days I'm not going to do it or whatever is is a good thing because we are creatures of habit. We're habitual. Yeah. creatures and we do things a lot of times without thinking of it. so to be able to sort of realize that you can master that at some point i think is really valuable but the fact that you you have to do it 30 days and all i mean who made that up somebody made that yeah. up as you said and yeah. i don't know the origin story but it's like the ghost know, of carrie nation but, <laughs> yeah history repeating carrie, itself you know carrie poor <laughs> carrie that, that woman went through a lot so i mean it's a little i mean she was whack but you know the reason she was whack was you know life her circumstances husband. were bad for her um so it's like I just I don't like anything that makes people feel bad, you know. Right. And and so don't feel bad. Like if you don't want to, don't drink for a few days or a month or whatever it is that you want, but don't do it because people are telling you or that you have to or whatever. Do it for yourself. Yeah. Do it for self empowerment. Uh, yeah. And on that note, I think I want to talk it? about one last thing uh, that I think ties things together. Uh, strangely, I used to work in television as well, oh. um, but but I know uh, that in TV and in um, in filmmaking in general, the last shot, the rap shot, is known as the martini shot. It is. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So any any uh, any input on why that is? You know, and then we'll have our martini shot here because it's time to wrap the show. Um, I am. I'm sadly embarrassed to say I don't know what that is. And it's like, I've been saying it for years. All right, it's the martini shot. And I have oh, no idea, but I did drink a I lot mean, of dry martinis or <laughs> dry and dirty vodka martinis back in the day that I was working in advertising, which was, that was my gateway cocktail, believe it or not. Yeah. Well, just to kind of like kind of clue you in on the history of it. It's actually not 
named after the last shot, uh, film shoot, uh, it's actually everyone would do shots of martinis. Oh, <laughs> all right. I like that idea. Which, which I like to call martinis. <laughs> I just made that up, but I, it's... dude, I believed it because <laughs> he because he speaks with authority. Um, let's yeah, just make so that the history. Sh- shots of martinis. It it was just a, a common phrase when you know. Don't forget when film and television yeah. became a thing. Uh, that's you know in the fifties or so. That's uh, when when you know martinis were a big thing to go out and drink. And I think it was just like a, we're wrapped, we're done. This is the end of it. It's time to go get a drink. Yeah, it must be like start mixing the martinis now because this is the shot. Yeah, exactly. Get that pitcher cold. <laughs> Uh, and diluted. Well, man, really great to have you on, David. Oh, uh, it's, been, so uh, it's been far too long. I've been wanting to have you on. Uh, finally excited to know that Happy Hour History is up and operational as it's a streamer on there. Amazon Prime. We'll point <laughs> yeah, out. regular we'll point Amazon, our... you don't need Prime. If you don't have Prime, oh, it's yeah, fine. Amazon, but, whatever it is. But if you have Prime, it's, it's yeah, that's good too. <laughs> yeah, I'll uh, we'll point people over there. We'll try and get people to get on there and, and, and check it out and hopefully review it. And that way it'll get picked up by some station and the show can go on because it's really, really a lot of fun to watch. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I think uh, the cool idea would be to uh, mix yourself up some scofflaws and go watch the scofflaw episode, you know? It's yeah. it's actually a great thing to watch with, like, friends. And, like, you could do it in, a like, little party, little house parties, have people over, um and watch the show and then make the drinks together. It's it's a real fun sort of group experience as well. And we and yeah. we have events. We, we're going to be doing events around the country now that the pandemic, I, I think I was told it was over. <laughs> yeah. uh, mm. uh, where we do them at the bar. We'll show us, we'll show an episode or two and then they have the drinks that are in the shows available at the bar. Well, and it's a lot of fun. So, well, obviously happy to host at any of my venues. Um, Coming your way. New York or L.A. or soon to be Boulder. So. Oh, congrats. Guys, thank you so Um, much. It's really great to hang out with you. This is is what we love doing. Obviously, we've been doing it for a very long time. (laughs) But but yeah, this is my favorite part of of this world is talking about the history. So really appreciate you being on the show today. And I can't wait to watch some of these episodes with my new dog, Joey. And (laughs) I think he's going to like it. I think he's going to like drinking. I think that <laughs> freaking dog, dog hit the jackpot getting getting adopted by you, man. Canine approved. Yeah, yeah. Happy Hour History is canine approved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you can really sink your teeth into it. Everyone go, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, uh, go check out Happy Hour History on all platforms. It's easy to find, so go check it out. Give them a follow. Uh, give some great reviews and ratings on the sites where you get to do that. And man, uh, again, just thank you so much for being our first episode of the year. Great way to bring in the new year, 2023. Um, and also check out Mushrooms and Beer and coming to you soon in New York City. <laughs> right. right next door to McSorley's. Oh my God, nice. that's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out many more programs like this on Heritage Radio Network. And until next week, everyone, cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. Heritage Radio Network.